0: what's up everybody
1: hey welcome how's everybody tonight
0: not too bad not too bad
1: well i was gonna say don't all speak up at once now
0: (laughs) (laughs) actually goes don't look at me
2: i was trying to sneeze we'll try not to sneeze and then i turn the camera off and it goes away
1: oh nice I got to remember that trick.
2: I didn't know (laughs) it worked. It's a new one. Interesting. So, Brett, are you going to introduce our guests?
0: Sure. I have not prepared anything, but I'm ready. Our (laughs) guests tonight are Adam and CJ from Mantra Recovery. I was introduced to them a few months ago by a mutual friend, and I interviewed them for Recovery Survey. The episode actually hasn't released yet, but... We hit it off. They're super cool guys. And I said, Hey, you guys want to join the live show? And they agreed. And here we are. So, yeah.
1: Yes. Nice to meet you fellas.
0: Uh, How
3: y'all
1: doing? Good, man.
2: Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself since Brett didn't tell us too much.
3: Okay. So we're with mantra recovery. We're actually two thirds of mantra recovery. Uh, Jenny Edelman uh, couldn't be here this evening but she is the queen bee of Mantra. Um, So what we do is interventions, wellness coaching, family support. We do some safe transport, entheogenic integration, and wellness companion. Uh, We started this company just over a year ago. And, you know, we just saw that there was a need not really just so much in the industry, but just in general, man, to have a a service that actually gave a shit about people and wasn't just so focused on their insurance policy. Um, something that wasn't just 12 step based and something that truly supported all paths to recovery or not recovery. I mean, you know, really whatever that looks like for the individual, as long as they're making a positive change in their life. So, uh, you know, we do substance use disorder as well as mental health. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's really that's really it in a nutshell. Um, a little bit about me. Um, you know, I was an IV drug user for many years and I got sober in 2013. So I'll have 10 years clean and sober um, in July, actually of this year and I've worked in the treatment industry for, I'd say about nine of those years. And so I have 1st uh, firsthand experience, you know, how shady a lot of uh, these people can be, especially in the private sector. So, um, you know, just with that knowledge, man, um, we founded this company, you know, to not be that, um, you know, very recently we, we got more into the, uh, psychedelics and recovery movement. Um, you know, we go to these networking events like tap and things like that. And, you know, um, at first I was really kind of scared to even speak on it, uh, for fear of being ostracized. But I mean, I speak my mind anyway, and CJ does too. No (laughs) So, um, You know, we've always (laughs) risk of being ostracized for our beliefs. And, you know, I'll call anybody out. I I really don't give a shit. Um, But, you know, the psychedelics and recovery thing is just it's so new. And a lot of it is still not legal, but it's definitely not accepted by a lot of people. Um, But there is a lot of value in plant medicine done, you know, in a therapeutic setting ceremonial or it's all therapeutic, right? But like I personally um, use ketamine infusion therapy to get off of an SSRI that I have been on for 10 years. And, you know, that coincides perfectly with my admission in the treatment because the resident psychiatrist put me on Zoloft probably within a few days of me entering treatment you know, and I've been shooting dope for 20 years. So it's like, of course, I'm fucking depressed. I'm anxious, you know, whatever. Um, I don't think I was clinically. depressed, um, But she tried medication as though I was. And, you know, I just wanted to be med compliant and do something different. Right. So I took my meds, man. And a few years later, I thought, why am I taking this shit? You know, like, I don't see any benefit from it. I want to get off that was like almost harder than kicking heroin. Uh, It was really, really difficult. So I went a couple of weeks, uh, went through this horrible withdrawal and I ended up having to get back on it because I was managing a sober living home and I just, I couldn't be that out of sorts, you know? Um, So then a few more years pass. I feel like I know what to expect. Okay. I'm just going to get off this shit. Like, I'm just going to thug this shit out. And I did it, but I didn't really do anything in place of it. You know, I really didn't do a lot of work that needed to be done on myself. Um, and I probably made it about six months or so. And I just kind of got into not really a dark place, but it was more something that my wife noticed, you know, and she's like, I think you need to get back on medication. Um, you know, and I fought her on that when she made the uh, remark that she was concerned that I might relapse. That kind of fucked me up. You know, she's not an addict or an alcoholic, you know. Um, I'm stepdad to her three kids. You know what I mean? We built this really good life for ourselves. And to hear her say that, I was like, fuck, man, I have to, you know, because I, I can't have her, you know, thinking that. So I did it. And I ended up on that ship for probably a couple of more years until we partnered with a company called Neuroglow. Shout out Tina Marie and everybody at Neuroglow. So, their ketamine infusion therapy clinic, they've got one in McKinney and they have one in Flower Mound, Texas. Um, you know, we partnered with them to offer safe transport to their patients because you have to have a designated uh, driver. It's, it's anesthetic, right? Um, so that's how we sort of, you know, form this partnership. But they offered to give us the treatment for free. And so I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to support this shit, if I'm going to uh, promote it and, you know, put my name on it, I might as well experience it firsthand. And maybe I can actually use this shit to get off of Zoloft. Which they advised against, I I will say that I don't want to get anybody in trouble. They told me not to discontinue my medication while undergoing the treatment. But of course I'm like, fuck that. You don't know me. (laughs) So the last dose of Zoloft that I took was the day prior to my first treatment. I did six rounds of IV ketamine and I haven't taken Zoloft since. That was a couple months ago and. I really didn't have any withdrawal symptoms like I had experienced in the past. So I'm a firm believer in the power of that drug and what it can do for people with treatment resistant depression, you know, PTSD, and really people that want to get off of their antidepressants. Um, You know, I won't get into a lot of the other things that are not entirely legal, but I mean, there's a lot of value in uh, microdosing psilocybin and there's some other plant medicines that cj and i will be uh using ourselves but again you know with the legality and everything we do have day jobs um so i don't want to get into that too much <laughs> but um man I, you know i'm living proof that that shit works i had a lot of apprehension going into it because i'm like man i'm about to like shoot up fucking ketamine that i've used recreationally um and I was an IV drug user for a long time, man. And, you know, I had a head full of AA bullshit where it's like, okay, am I going to use this substance and this phenomenon of craving is going to be like set off, you know, and all the bullshit that people teach you. And it's like, man, I went into it with uh, the right intention and I wasn't trying to get high. And it was like one of the best experiences of my life. You know, it's a full on psychedelic experience though. I mean, you're instantly in a K hole, but I mean, it was amazing, man. And I did not think about getting high. There was no allergy triggered, no phenomenon of craving and all this shit, you know, that everyone sort of spoon feeds you. Um, so it's awesome, man, you know, and I don't push everybody in that direction because it's not for everybody, but, um, you know, with 10 years sobriety under my belt and just knowing that my intentions were good is fucking life changing, you know? So I am uh, much more of an advocate for that lane. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, we do interventions and we have a hundred percent success rate with our interventions. We have our own model that we use. Um, everything that we do is a little different than what the next person, than the way that they would do it. Um, we pride ourselves on truly being innovative, um, you know, down to just the design of all of our social media, all of our videos and marketing and all that stuff. And, you know, we just speak our minds, you know, and we just want to set ourselves apart from everybody else in this industry because, really the it's a tired industry, man. And, and we just want to breathe new life into it. That's all I got CJ. Hey,
4: I'm, I'm CJ with module recovery. Um, I'm also uh, a recovered or recovering um, IV opioid uh, user. I used for about 20 years. Um, and uh, we originally started mantra recovery um, to help others find their path. And that's, this goes with uh, substance use disorder, mental health, uh, homelessness. Um, really man, mantra recovery, yeah, we're a business but this is also a lifestyle, you know, people, you know, I've been in prison four times. Um, it was, my life has had been in turmoil before I started using. And, um, it's a lifestyle. The definition of mantra is a sacred utterance. Um, and, and like an affirmation repeated or a chant, you know, And we're all about building positivity and lifting others up, you know, um, seeing people grow. We have clients, man, we help them. And, you know, we have a PLA form with the wellness coaching, uh, a recovery plan. And once they, you know, finish out, the, uh, they achieve everything, their goals, you know, they move on. You know, they don't book with us anymore. And that's fine. That's what we're fucking, that's the job, you know. A lot of these treatment centers and uh, other people in this industry, they love that that revolving door. They try to bait them in and keep them in keep that money coming in, you know. It's not about the fucking money with us, man. When I work with someone, I see myself. It's not about the money with us. And and this is a lifestyle, you know, straight
2: up. Well, I'm glad you guys said that because I hate that when people are, you know, like there's a scarcity mindset. Like there's only so many people that they can help. Like there's only so many people with substance use disorder. Like if they actually gave quality treatment there would still be a line for more treatment. So I don't understand understand that at all.
1: Oh, amen. I mean, I live in Minnesota and it's, people call this the land of 10,000 treatment centers. And it's like, you know, there's always weights on beds at a lot of these, you know, programs and there's treatment centers everywhere out here. Uh, So I, I agree. I mean, the need's not gonna go away, you know? you want to make an impact you want to help people then and and i think it's it's key uh you mentioned in the beginning uh of your sharing that you know you're trying to recognize that there's multiple ways that different people recover because different people are different you know and so to explore that as a coach is supposed to and meet them where they're at and figure out what's that person's individual needs is is huge you know instead of just driving people to one thing, you know, that doesn't work for everybody.
2: Absolutely. Well, and there's not enough treatment that treats co-occurring. They all say that they do and they right. market that they do, right. yeah. but they don't. And then they like, there'll be somebody that's, they'll make excuses. Oh, they were in the hospital too long, so we can't take them because we only take people within 30 days of whatever. And they were were. A veteran that has severe PTSD, it'll up their, their benefits aren't working correctly. Like, there's always an excuse when they say that they're co-occurring. You can, you can find out real quick if they are, just yeah. by how they react.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I work for a private facility. I, I won't put their name out there. I wish I could, um, but they literally had an alumni coordinator, but their job was to check in with clients that discharged at like 30, 60, 90 day intervals in the hopes of them relapsing and having the same insurance policy and a lot of treatment programs operate that way.
1: That's my start.
3: Yeah. It's reality though, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, not all of them. I mean, like we we're connected to some really good programs. You Know there's definitely some quality programs out there, but I think for every good program, there's 10 shitty ones, you know.
2: Well, 100 probably for every one good one, there's 100 shitty, crappy ones.
3: Yeah. I was trying to be nice, but yeah.
2: <laughs> I live in Florida, we have a lot of treatment here, so I got yeah, all are, are fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> old Florida
4: <laughs> shuffle,
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys ever seen that movie Body Brokers?
4: Hell yeah, I love that fucking movie, man. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's really
1: that's crazy. crazy. Yeah, yeah,
3: that's where they don't do that so much anymore, but uh, yeah, that was that was a very uh, a very real portrayal of what was going on with the whole Florida shuffle and even some. Mm-hmm. Comedy, right?
1: that's like a super extreme version of what you were just talking about you know like this wasn't them checking up on them, hoping that they relapse this was them straight up like here i got some housing for you and putting them in a crack house you know (laughs) like you don't think they still
2: do that they pick people there's places that pick people up and house them yeah women and and take advantage and give them drugs yeah, and yeah. traffic them when they've been released from yeah, yeah. it's insane mm-hmm. yes and it's some of those are not those are for not for-profit companies doing that people in the recovery community
3: that's
1: horrible that pisses me off yeah yep yeah. Brett, Brett's cool, having okay. issues there's two Redbeards. Oh now there's one again.
0: Yeah, we we lost power and internet and uh, possible tornado. So cool. Oh, shit. What? Yeah, it's bad
4: out here,
3: man. Yeah, it's raining pretty hard.
1: Oh, you guys are from Texas too?
0: Oh yeah. Oh we're in Dallas. Yeah.
1: All right.
0: Yeah, Dallas, Texas. Yeah, we got seventy mile an hour winds right now.
4: Jeez,
2: yes. I think I think getting back to like what you, you talked about with the ketamine and stuff, the research that I've seen based on, I mean, has looked really good. Honestly, I think it's about, you know, this country, like the accountability isn't there. We put the people that profit off of this stuff in control of, you know, regulating it. And um, so you never know what's good and what's not and I think but from what I've seen out of the research it's especially if it's been doing things for people that have tried a million other things and that's their last hope is and it's like why would you not allow someone that's tried X, Y, and Z to to have an option?
3: Absolutely. I mean
2: maybe it's not the first choice if you know you've tried you know, I don't know how that works, but I mean if you want to even go back to talking about 12-step, you know, the founder, Bay A.
3: Yeah, don't give me a story. I mean, okay, yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, when Bill Wilson uh, was in Towns Hospital and he had his white light third step experience, right? He was under the influence of hallucinogenic plant medicine. Henbane and what was the other Belladonna? one? Belladonna. Have hallucinogenic properties. So he was fucked up, right? And then fast forward to the 50s, where he was using LSD with Alice Huxley and Lois and Father Dowling, you know? So it's like he saw the benefit in psychedelics, right? And he brought that to AA and was like damn near ostracized from the fellowship that he founded for it. Because they're like you're fucking crazy. I mean, Bill Wilson was fucking crazy. I mean, <laughs> like him and Lois were spiritualists. You know, they would have seances and shit in their house. I
1: could
3: <laughs> research, you know, the history of AA and Bill Wilson. Right.
1: But um, what's messed up is that the the like key thing in AA or NA is you know the how of recovery: honesty, open mindedness, willingness. So. How are you? Where's the open mindedness if you're all gonna, you know, ostracize the man because he's trying to show you something new?
2: Exactly. He thought that psychedelics were the future of saving the alcoholic.
1: Right.
3: And, you know, what's funny is so since I started speaking out on all this stuff, I get because I documented my ketamine experience um, on LinkedIn, all social media, and I've gotten so many like, DMs. Is that what you would call it on LinkedIn? Private messages, whatever the professional DM uh, term is, is what you, you get on LinkedIn. So um, you don't have a DM when you're married. Yeah, that's yeah. out the window. That's
0: true.
3: <laughs> Sean will kill you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I get messages from people still that are asking me about psychedelics. Because they're personally interested in it. And some of these people are like heavy hitters of the treatment industry. These are like hardcore AA people that you would never guess in a million years. Like it shocks me. I'm like, damn, like this person's asking me about this shit. But they don't wanna like, they don't wanna say it out loud. Yeah. Or like we'll go to a networking event and they'll like whisper, you know, outside the door. And it's like, man, fuck what these people think. Like, there's a lot of value in this shit. I don't give a shit what anybody thinks anymore. I used to. But it's like, man, all those people that you're scared of are the same people that are going to have their hand out when the psychedelic cash grab starts, because all right. that is going to be legal and everybody. But that,
1: But then again, too, you've done your own research and they haven't yet. They're like at the curiosity stage so they ain't trying to be like loud about something they don't know about you know what i mean they yeah. they want they want to learn about it
3: i know i'm just outspoken you know but
2: the like secrets and shame are what made us sick and like that was one of the problems why i kind of left the 12-step world like i was i mean that was my early Is but after a couple of years it's like you you know they would tell you they would i would see people come in and they're like i have a medical card am i allowed to say anything oh everybody does it just just don't talk about it and it's like (laughs) um
1: the only requirement for membership is the desire, right? Like you, you're you not required to be even clean to go to them fucking meetings. I don't know. I mean, I, I would not bash 12 step, uh, you know, at all, any, any pathway for that matter. Uh, you know, and it in the beginning was obviously like my primary way, CMA, NA, AA, you know, all that shit. Uh, and I still, I still stay connected to it, but you know, now it's been a number of years. It's like, I've learned, I've continued to learn, continue to explore other pathways. I draw from a lot of wells in my recovery, not just one. Right. Uh, th- th- so there's, there's validity to any of them. And, and mm-hmm. some people, you know, different strokes for different folks, some people it works wonderfully, some people that's not their cup of tea. So <laughs> oh, I, wasn't I guess talking about
2: it. I was just saying it was, you know, hard for me to, I felt guilty bringing Tylenol. And then they're telling people to lie about having a card. So I'm like, how am I gonna be authentic here and be honest? And
1: but see, that's fucked up, because you're not supposed to shoot your wounded, right? So you shouldn't be giving anybody shit for nothing.
2: Yeah. So let
3: me clear, I, I do want to clarify. So like, my foundation was in 12 step, you know, it was CA, which is AA, right? Um, I worked the steps very quickly, um, and I'm actually the founder of Opiates Anonymous. The only reason I even did that shit, though, was because I was living in a sober living that required me to make two meetings a week, and I hated them. So I figured I'm just going to start my own fucking meeting if I have to go.
1: And, Damn right.
3: Yeah, and that's what I did, uh, but I don't go to that shit anymore.
1: You know? um, <laughs> is it a is it a successful meeting though now?
4: Oh yeah. I'm because. A, yeah, I <laughs> I still carry the torch. This
1: Hell ad- yeah, dude.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah. No, I love that, though, because if you see a need, right, whether it's a community need that you see in other people, or if you're sitting there going, this fucking meeting sucks, this meeting sucks, those people suck, I want to start my own thing, but you're, you know, I just love people like that, and I'm I'm blessed to say I got a lot of people like that in my life, uh, you know, that just, they get shit started, man. They do, they do raise up new things and they bring people together, man. And that's what this shit's about, dude. Like, yeah. And it's, yeah,
3: it's still going strong, you know? Um, you know, and all the people that attend, they're pretty much, you know, they're my friends. Yeah. Um, even when I was connected to the fellowship, I never really believed in lifelong sponsorship anyway. It's kind of like, you know, when you work that program, it's like a business agreement, right? Like you go to this person because they got sober using this program and you want them to show you how to do that. So once you do that and you go through those steps, that's it, right? Like you part as friends if you do that and it, you know, it's a wrap and then you just do the maintenance. But, you know, unfortunately the message. Well,
1: you go do it for someone else. You show someone else.
3: Exactly. But like, oh, yeah. like, you know, I had a bad day. Call your sponsor. Like, what'd your sponsor say about that? Like, fuck that. They
2: were, never, they were never intended to be life coaches or to be your exactly. therapist. They were supposed to, it was because it was secret meetings and you needed someone to vouch for you. Yes, so sponsors right. supposed to get you in and, and be, vouch for you and be your person. But it became this thing that it was <laughs> never intended to be.
1: That's why my my sponsor always reads that, I think it's chapter 7, working with others. That's the first fucking thing he does with anybody who wants to work with him, because he wants them to know flat out the gate, like, I am not this, I am not that, I am not that, you know? Like, don't get it twisted, man.
4: (laughs) That's how it should be. You know what? And then, man, I, I noticed this shit, like, even... Uh, I noticed it a lot today. People in the program are putting their sponsor on a fucking pedestal and treating them like they're high power. I don't have to run every fucking thing through my sponsor that I do in life because I have a connection with something greater than myself. That's who I consult with. If right. I hate somebody, if I want to buy a car, if I want to move, what the fuck do I need to call them for? I call, call them yeah. power, whom I choose to call the universe. That's why I get my answers. I don't, another
1: somebody, told me, somebody told me a long time ago, if you put me on a pedestal, I'll piss all over you, man. Like, don't do
4: it. exactly what the fuck's happening. A lot of these people in the program, they're like, oh, my sponsor, this, man, fuck that. They're a piece of shit just like you, just like me.
2: Well, they I like
4: draws
2: it. draws on one leg at a time unless they a cold
1: motherfucker can get in with two legs. Yeah, we're just humans, man. That's all any of us are, dude. Yeah.
2: I think that That's comment true. in the chat, like in this posted there, is substance in the street have changed how addiction affects our biology. We need new pasture cover I think that opiates are a different animal than what addiction has been in the past. I know that. So many people say, you know, that their drug of choice was more. But that wasn't the case for me. Um, I've never had an issue with any other substances except when I got an injury and was on three surgeries in a year and a half and then pain management, like that was the only thing I've ever you know, as far as substances. So and I also think that there's a link between, you know, your the dopamine receptors there's a lot of adhd with people that also have opioid use disorder there's a lot of with you know depression so ssris are hard on you like they're hard to get off of they're take a long time to work yeah. um and so if something like ketamine works for somebody that wouldn't you know doesn't necessarily leave them feeling not that SSRIs necessarily make people feel like high or anything, but it's just they're, they're hard on the body a lot of times and they're hard to get off of in there. So I don't know. I think being open-minded to other options are important. Um,
1: Definitely. Yeah.
2: And so
3: when we do, okay, so we have six different services, right? But one of those is wellness coaching, which is like a mashup between recovery coaching and life coaching, right? More slanted towards life coaching, but you know, we have a, um, I hate the word holistic because it's a buzzword that everybody fucking uses, but it means mind, <laughs> body and spirit. Right? So we truly do. I think I call it an integrated approach on the website. So, um, When we do our initial assessment, the first meeting with somebody um, we have like a um, it's a biopsychosocial, but it's been adapted to what we do. Right. So we've taken some things out. We've added a, a lot of things. So we look at the whole picture because it's not just drugs and alcohol. Right. We use drugs and alcohol because we're already fucked up. You know, some people, maybe they weren't fucked up and they just developed a habit. It's I don't come across a lot of people like that, but I mean, that does
2: happen. Well, I was messed up before. It just wasn't with substances.
3: (laughs) Yeah. That's (laughs) what I'm saying. Yeah. So like most of us were right. So, you know, we find the solution to our problem, you know, and until it turns on us and, you know, then that becomes our problem. But um, we look at everything, man. Like, did you graduate high school? Like, um, did you get a degree? What do you want to do? Do you need a resume? Like, we'll create your resume. Um, when's the last time you had a physical? You know, do you have any mental health diagnoses? Like, are you on medication? Are you supposed to be taking medication? Um, we look at the whole picture. I mean, we ask, what does spirituality mean to you? You know, Do like, you have a therapist? Yeah. Like, what does that look like in your life? Yeah. You know, I mean, we're resource brokers. You know, that's where the recovery coaching piece comes in. And we connect people to to resources. And that's another thing is we're not like keeping, we don't have an Excel spreadsheet of like reference that we send everybody to. So we can call them and be like, Hey, I sent you three people. Like you owe me like we take that assessment and then just the knowledge that we gain from working with that individual to, you know, get a feel for the type of person that they are. And we're like, okay, so-and-so would be perfect for him. Right. Make them do it. We're just like, Hey, how about this? What do you think? If they don't like it, okay, yeah, fuck that guy. Okay, let's find something else, right? <laughs> so, I mean, we work for the client. You know, we never push them in any direction that they don't want to go. Um, and we just take that journey with them. But yeah, I mean, we look at the whole thing when we work with people. And we we want to help
4: whomever find their their truth what is your truth? And live that out in authenticity and transparency. Be be the authentic you. Whatever that looks like, we're gonna support that and provide resources for that. Because nobody's recovery or healing looks the same. Right. And with you know, with the he was speaking about the ketamine, uh what's the name of that that show? um on on Netflix. How to change your mind. How to change your mind. In the next five to ten years, the way recovery and mental health looks is gonna be totally different. And we're we're pushing, we advocate for this wave that's about to happen. We're right, we're at the forefront of this wave. We yeah. let our nuts hang over here.
3: Because we know what's coming. I, there's only a couple of people in this space that are um, outspoken about this kind of shit. And uh, I do want to shout out my boy Zach Wallace and Soul Tools. Soul Tools, baby. If you guys check out Soul Tools. They are on the level. And they also want to get on this podcast, too. So
2: Yeah. and Tell them to contact us. Oh yeah. Open to, I've said it a million times. Anything that works for people, um, it is what it is. I I have right. my own beliefs on. I think that there's a lot of actual pharmaceutical medications make things worse. I don't. That's not me saying people with certain conditions should not take medicine. That's that's not what I'm saying at all. There's definitely certain things you have to take medication for. But I also think that there's, we are very over medicated as a society.
1: Yeah. Yeah. uh, But um, I, um, sorry, um, go ahead.
3: I do just want to say this because it would be irresponsible of me to not acknowledge that, you know, just, you know, our company, um, we are not just completely against people taking medications because I mean, you have schizophrenia. I mean, you have some serious, Mental health issues that definitely require medication. Okay. So I'm not just like, no, fuck that. Take mushrooms. Like, you know (laughs) what I mean? Not what we're doing.
2: You know what what I'm saying caused the most problems, honestly, lately? What's that? It's not schizophrenia and it's not all that. Like, the most, the thing that's causing psychosis the most is marijuana.
1: Really? Hmm. Well, this shit ain't like it used to be, bro. <laughs> but I, I think to, uh, to what you guys were talking about, it's like, the second you bring up a thought, an idea, a treatment uh, that either somebody's never heard of, or, you know, to your point, like, if you're coming from an abstinent based program, and you hear somebody talk about anything, you know, You hear the word ketamine, they're instantly like their mind shuts and they're like, You're not sober, blah, blah, blah. And dude, okay. If people would just shut up and listen, you know, maybe get curious, ask some questions, like tell me about this, you know, because I don't have to understand it, but you can help me understand it. But people's tendency i think is when they don't understand it they fear it or they reject it right like they get mad at it (laughs) whatever and instead
2: celebrations have you been to for people celebrating 10 years and you're like they're high right now
1: (laughs) well that's true but that's different right like they're they're hiding their shit i'm talking about i'm
2: just saying they're you know the judgment
1: But like with this, with this, this would be considered like a medical treatment. And yet they would still, you know, some people would still reject that thought. All I'm saying is people need to like, adopt the heart of a student rather than thinking they know everything like they're the teacher. You know what I mean?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, we
4: we advocate this. I didn't say this either. With with the plant-based medicine. We advocate for it, but with integration, either a therapist or someone to walk with you, to guide you or coach you as you're doing the medicine. We ain't talking about going to put on Pink Floyd, the wall and fucking taking some shrooms, talking about, hey, you're right.
2: Buy
1: no. some candles. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's, that's kind of what I, I meant like earlier when I'm like, we let people that profit off of these things make the regulations. You know, like you can get a medical marijuana card for anything and the, the content of THC is super high, which is causing people with the psychosis. If it was just in a clinical setting where they couldn't take it, at, take it home or there was somebody watching what was going on, you know. I've seen some Great transformations of people lately with severe diagnoses, schizophrenia, that psych, um, schizoaffective, and if they get tr- treatment early with these things, they have great prognoses. Yeah. It's when they yeah. don't get treatment.
1: Yeah. I know a girl that I know a girl that went down to uh, Mexico yeah. like seven years ago or something. And, did Ibogaine treatment and yeah. she hasn't, she hasn't touched heroin in fucking years doesn't yeah. even want to do it.
4: Yeah. So, um, the Apple game, we, we have friends that have a place out in Mexico. We have personally, this is why like we're passionate about this. We personally know people that were chronic fucking relapsers like myself right. for 20 years we get 6 months fall off a year fall off that went and did plant based medicine then after that worked the 12 yeah. steps and are fucking sober right now
1: dude Totally. And how is that any different than when I first came in to the rooms or to treatment centers? Holy shit, dude. I did like 11 inpatient treatments. I had to go to meetings with all those the entire time. I thought it was a fucking cult bullshit, blah, blah, blah. I didn't trust any of them. I thought they were all full of shit. And what convinced me is same thing you're talking about. When I actually kept coming back and I started to see the change happen, and I knew these people and I knew they were different now. And I watched them thinking it was a fluke or some pink cloud bullshit and it didn't go away. It, they continued to get better and change even more. That was what convinced me. Same thing you're talking about. You know, you, you seen the, the proof is in the pudding, right? Yes, sir. Yeah.
3: And with those. It's lessons, awesome. So integration is very important. I mean, you can have a single psychedelic journey And you can continue to work with uh, an integrationist years based on that one journey, you know, so I think that's really key to Mm -hmm. substances or these medicines, I should say, um, successfully and and having the most benefit that you can from it.
2: Right. Well, and there's a lot of proof that your brain can be rewired.
4: Exactly
2: exactly so the chemicals initially could have rewired our brains and and there's other things that can rewire them back to a but i'm telling you i've seen some out of the vas their studies on psychedelics with ptsd and
1: yeah
2: you know military sexual trauma victims and stuff that they've tried everything patient resistant depression, like you said, it, the results have been really, really good.
1: Yeah. Right. And, you know, everything starts, everything starts here in the, you know, the controlled testing stages. You got to test it right enough times so that you have quantitative research to prove that, like, you know, and have some actual numbers, some actual statistics that make sense, because You've tested it a lot, so this shit is still pretty new. And I know it's actually been around for quite a while, but uh, I guess we're just slow catching on or something. I don't know.
3: But with all that, too, like that is just one of many pathways to recovery that we support. You know, I I don't want people to listen to this and just be like, "Oh, mantra recovery—that's those fucking psychedelic guys." Because that's not what we are. You know, um, we just support change in people's lives, you know, for the better. So whatever that looks like, man, I mean, I'm not, I'm not religious, but I mean, shit, if somebody wants to do celebrate recovery, like let's fucking figure that shit out and let's get you plugged in and, you know, we can sit here and talk about Jesus and shit. That's fine. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> that
2: was my originally. So
3: but seriously, you know, I mean there's Dharma recovery. I mean, there's all kinds, of smart recovery, there's so many paths mm-hmm. to recovery. And those are just like fellowships and, and programs. I mean, it doesn't even have to necessarily be that, you know. Right. Oh, shout out, uh, shout out Sean Johnson trip. That's my beautiful wife.
1: What's up?
3: <laughs> um yeah,
1: I think I freaked her out with the whole thing. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go do this fucking drug. And, you know. <laughs> Bro, last time I did
0: ketamine, I fucking...
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, dude. I'd, I'd be like, I'd do it. I'd lay down on the couch. To, I'd be watching, like, Fear and Loathing. I would, like, lose time. Just, yeah. And then I, when I'd snap out of it, I'd just go do it again. Fuck. Just... Up and down, <laughs> Bro, lost. The,
3: the experience in a therapeutic setting is wildly different, man. Because I, I bet I'd snorted ketamine. I used to take. Uh, we used to drive to Mexico, and we would park at the border. This is before nine eleven, right? So like you would park there, and then you would just like go through the turnstile and walk across the Rio Grande, and we would go pick up Xanax, of course, and then we would also go to the uh, veterinarian pharmacy and get set and bring it back and then we would do that shit i am and we would take a greyhound back and we would just be like in a k-hole the whole trip back we get it home cook it up and sell it right so i had a lot of experience with ketamine um mm-hmm. and i've done massive amounts of it you know in that time of my life but this shit is completely different and i mean the amount that they give you to you are like pretty much instantly in that K-hole, right? Like your whole reality just disintegrates and you become a part of the cosmos and shit. Like it's, it's awesome, you know? Like for, to be sober and to have good intentions and have that experience. um, What's the comedian that said uh, drugs are like amusement parks for adults? Was that George Carlin?
1: Probably. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Sounds like think, some shit he would say. <laughs> yeah,
3: I think it was. But I mean, it. I felt like that was uh, that rang pretty true during my first experience, um, because I was able to enjoy it, but not too much to where it was like, oh my god, I, I, you know, I want more of this drug. You know, it was more right. the experience, and it was just completely different, man. And I came out of it like really a changed person.
1: Nice. Well, I'm glad it worked for you, brother. Yeah. And thank you for sharing your experience with it because I don't think, you know, it's my, what I was saying earlier, like a lot of people just hear it and they, I hope they're listening, you know, and hearing you out because we can't judge other people's pathways, you know, we should try to learn about them. <laughs> so,
3: oh, let me, we're say, doing here. Let me say a couple more things because I, I know we're almost out of time. So, um, Monster Recovery, like we're real big on transparency um, and being accessible to all people, right? So like CJ touched on, we help people no matter what, right? Like before we got on here, I had somebody calling me asking about a facility that took Medicaid. We're not making any money off that shit, right? But we plug them in with somebody that's going to help them, right? So it's not always about the money, it's about us putting that positive energy into the universe and you know that's, that's gonna come back our way. Um, but our pricing is like clearly marked on our website. All of our services, like you go to it, you choose the service, you book it and you pay online. I don't know anybody else that does it that way. Like people that provide these kinds of services usually just have a shitty website with an email and a phone number. And then when you call them, they try to rope you into a six month plan. That's going to cost you $20,000. Um,
1: and they never bring up money. Yeah, ever.
3: That's, that's not us. You know, like um, we have accessible pricing. Um, we are far more reasonable than anybody offering the services that we offer. But yeah, if you go to mantra all that shit is right there. You know, so we do pride ourselves on that and just making it easy to access care. We also have uh, advanced care credit. So we're a provider with them. Um, Normally that's just doctors and dentists and shit. But um, I don't know how we swung that. But um, (laughs) if somebody can't afford an intervention, they can find somebody who has at least fair credit because it doesn't even have to be the individual themselves. It can be a loved one, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. If you can just find somebody that would qualify, they can finance our services.
1: Nice.
2: I'm looking at your website now. I like that you guys have family support on there so that, so you address that that's important. Um,
3: yeah, Jenny Edelman is our family support specialist, and she is amazing.
4: Hey, Jenny. Hey, girl. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and what type of like um, like interventions do you do?
3: So we have the mantra model, right? So I, <clears throat> I think when a lot of people think of interventions, you think of the show intervention, right? which that style is called the johnson model right where you get everybody around you read a letter you tell them what a piece of shit they are right <laughs> and hope they don't fucking run out the room
2: not effective.
3: yeah i mean it's traumatic and you're automatically that wall just goes up and you're working to overcome that like from john right so what we do is we will talk to the family you know a couple times over the phone um You know, I try to, I'm a minimalist, you know, I I just want to like streamline everything. Um, I just need some basic information about what you think is going on because a lot of times the loved one really doesn't know what the fuck's going on, right? They're just like, oh, they're fucked up, they're on meth. They might not even be on meth, they might just be taking Adderall or something. Yeah. So, you know, we get their idea of what's going on and then we'll have them meet us wherever the individual is. So we set up a day and time, we have them let us in. And they're just like, hey, this is Adam and CJ and Jenny. These are some friends of mine. Um, And just make an introduction. And then we have them leave. And then so it's just us and the individual. And we just level with them. Like, man, like what's going on? You know, like if they don't want to admit to anything going on, local, why did your husband or your wife reach out to us, you know, because they're essentially worried that you're going to fucking die. Like something's going on. Right. Um, we're really good at building rapport very quickly and gaining trust. Um, you know, and sometimes we've been in some situations where it's the family and they really are legit overreacting. Yeah. Um, and I've, Some of our first couple of interventions, I didn't really feel very good about, but you know, you live and you learn, um, they had the treatment all set up and you know, we, we have a hundred percent success rate. so that, you know, these people went to treatment. Um, we took them, but should they have gone to residential treatment? Probably not. Yeah. You know? Um, but that's the service that we were paid. We were hired to, to do, um, but now it's not always about going to treatment. You know, we can do an intervention and it's like, okay, well, maybe let's just plug you in with a therapist, you know, because if I can keep anybody out of a residential treatment center, I'm fucking doing that shit because not everybody needs that shit, you know? And, um, if we can catch somebody before they get to that point, I mean, that's ideal really. Um, but just to answer your question, I mean, that's basically just how we do it. I mean, we just we level with the people and, and we share our experience. Um, yeah. And that's about it.
2: You know? Motivational interviewing.
3: Motivational interviewing.
4: You uh, work in the field, don't you, Ashley? I
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> sure for none. Oh, I'm I don't so work. Hard. I don't work for them. I'm just um, that's my I'm mom. just
1: the president.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. I'm kind
1: of a big deal. (laughs) Uh,
4: So, fun fact, I also work as a patient care technician at a detox, right? Slash med surge. When families come visit the patient in detox, right? Every time the family is there or have just left, the patient's Blood pressure is elevated. Never fails. That's why a lot of detoxes don't have visitation there. Every time the family comes up there, their, their blood pressure immediately skyrockets. So, hey. That's what Adam's for. Exactly, yeah. And then we shoot them in the ass with Ativan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. Go
2: <laughs> <laughs> right down somewhere. We'll see, it, like, that's a big part of, you know, not not knowing healthy ways to communicate. And, and not that it's the family's fault, but they're just worried and upset. And so they micromanage and blame. And instead of just saying, hey, I love you. I'm worried about you. I want you to be okay. Like, we, we aren't taught to, to do those things. We're taught to be like, I can't believe you did this and you're putting me through this, you know, and that's, it's hard for someone when they're not feeling so hot.
3: Right. Yeah. And ideally, you know, somebody that works with us say they come to us with, you know, wanting an intervention, ideally they're going to work with Jenny, um, doing some family support work. And, you know, if the individual goes to treatment, you know, we're going to be a part of that treatment team and in communication with their therapist, the case manager, whatever, um, most facilities drop that ball like very quickly, yeah. um, but whatever. In an ideal world, that's what it would be. And, um, you know, they would get out and we would work with them as wellness coaches, you know, and then they've got like that whole family dynamic is being cared for, you know, and we can actually piece that back together. I mean, that's that's really what we're trying to do.
2: And I think that that model is you know, more sustainable for a long term because you, you can only be in treatment for so long. Um, you're gonna go back to home or your mom, your wife, your husband, whatever this case may be. And and if they're being able, if they're learning how to, to effectively communicate and, and working on their stuff at the same time, like they're getting better as you're getting better. And, you know, I'm not saying it's the family's fault because I don't want that to be taken. But there's a lot of trauma that's done on, on families from watching someone they love yeah. go through this. And and nobody knows how to do it in a healthy way unless you're taught. Yeah. yeah.
0: Brett, what's up, man? I'm here. We survived, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
4: the bearded man. All we see is your. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm on
0: my. Oh, there he is! All right. Internet's down at my house.
2: And now it's back.
0: But you know, we're here.
2: You came just in time for us to leave. <laughs>
0: Did Jason already do the closing stuff?
2: No, I think he got knocked off too.
0: Damn. Okay, well, I can do my best to do it from my phone. I don't think I've ever done it from my phone before, but I'll try.
2: But was there anything else that you guys wanted to tell us about Mantra? Or if, if people wanted to check it out, it's mantra Yeah, mantra recovery.com. Um,
3: that's it. I mean, any questions that you may have uh, can be answered on the website. Uh, we've got our phone numbers on there too so you can just give us a call shoot us an email if you have any questions and i don't give a shit if you have money or not yeah give me a call we're gonna help you no matter what um i also want to shout out both of our wives because without them there would be no watch recovery and we sure as hell would not be the men that we are today oh no
0: nice Alright, well I'm gonna do the quick outro stuff Let's see if this works Is it gonna work? Can you get your music?
2: Yeah Jason's annoying Nice, because
0: it sounds like a robot Nice, it worked Alright, cool Let's try to do this outro stuff Um It's going super slow on my end There we go if you guys are joining us tonight on YouTube, please be sure to like and subscribe to the channel, turn on your notifications so you know when we go live, which is every Thursday night. Uh, Mr. Jason Rudine, who got knocked off of the, uh, of the stream, has his own show, The Way Out Podcast with him and his buddy Charles, who was a guest a few months back. Be sure to check that out. Um, I feel like the music's super loud now, so let me turn it on a little. Oh, wrong way. Man, I'm not good at doing this from my phone. I need my computer. I need my computer. Uh, I have a show, Recovery Survey, new episodes every Wednesday morning. Morsels of Recovery, check that out. Usually about 30-minute episodes. LC, who could not join us tonight, also has a show, Recovery Soul Food. He goes live here on the Recovery Revolution uh, Facebook page, so be sure to tune into that on Saturday evenings, and we are in the process of, uh, this will, uh, I don't know if it's showing on your screen or not, because my, my phone is like all frozen up. Uh, We're in the process of starting a recovery podcast network, so we got a bunch of people together. They're doing recovery shows, so check that out on Facebook and on Instagram. It is growing rather quickly. It's only been in existence for about 24 hours now, but we got about 9 shows that are all coming together to spread the message of recovery and hope and healing, so be sure to check that out. And... Again, thank you to Adam and CJ for coming on the show tonight. I apologize that I wasn't really there for much of it because uh, weather and internet and power issues, but I will be sure to listen to the replay. Um, If you guys do want to check it out, you can watch it on Facebook, YouTube, or we also do an audio-only version. So search for Recovery Revolution Live on your favorite podcast player. Uh, Until next week, guys, remember, progress, not perfection. Recovery Revolution Podcast Network.